All right, everybody, please retweet this one. Hashtag, yeah, buddy. It's Friday night. It's Tropical Talk Radio. Let's get started with the show. Yeah, buddy, you've downloaded Tropical Talk Radio, where we talk about all things entrepreneurship, travel, and lifestyle. If you're interested in more about this program, check out tropicalmba.com. And if you sign up for our mailing list, I will personally send you 50 free podcast episodes that take you along on our journey and expose the insider story on how we started a million-dollar, honest-to-goodness product business while we traveled the globe. All right. Today I have a social media expert who is not a social media expert, which is why you're on the show. Welcome, Jody Ettenberg. Should people uh, tell people to, to retweet their tweets? Oh, no. Terrible, terrible practice. <laughs> Definitely not going to be retweeting anyone who tells me to retweet their tweets. What about hashtags? Tell me about the hashtags. You started out this podcast with a hashtag, <laughs> too. I don't know how I feel about this. Does anybody still use hashtags on sure, Twitter? Sure, sure. They have Everything has its use, right? So... I think hashtags are great for pulling in a conference, people at a similar event. Um, if there's something you're looking out for, if there's a current event in the news that makes sense, you'd want to follow it. Right. It's good to have that hashtag going. But, you know, blanket hashtags on Twitter, the search abilities of Twitter um, are not limited the way they were at the very beginning. You're actually able to search for terms without using the hashtag. Uh, right. And what will turn up in the tweets are tweets that are not using the hashtag as well. So it's like it always has this sort of desperate sense, like maybe I'll pick up some extra click throughs from the people who are randomly surfing the entrepreneurship tag. I, who I, are those people? I think, I think some people do genuinely believe that it's necessary as opposed to uh, n- spammy. Which That's is why we're here off. today. We're here to help people suck less on Twitter. And you definitely do not suck. You're driving over 43,000 unique visitors to your website every month, in large part due to your astounding social media presences. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. But a little bit of the background of this is that on our last episode with James Clark, we, we spitballed this idea called travelplastic.org. And Reader Brad said, okay, guys, I see what you're doing there. How would one get 10,000 unique visitors a month by the end of the first year in business? So you're doing uh, four times that uh, after having relaunched your site in 2010 on the WordPress platform. So we're going to talk a little bit about how you might consult somebody in that industry. So that's how we're going to co-opt. We're going to sort of frame up all of your social media goodness. First of all, You've been following my Twitter stream now for how long? Uh, I think over a year. So tell me how I could improve my Twitter stream. Because this is how I got inspired to um, have this episode was like we would sit down for noodles. We live in the same neighborhood. And you'd be like, yeah, so I was looking at some of your stuff the other (laughs) night. We need to talk about your Twitter feed. Uh, well, Give me a critique. You, you, already, you already changed some of the way you use Twitter sure. because of my harassment. and uh, Let's talk about that. What sure. So my initial comment to you was, why are you retweeting or tweeting just using the article name? The, the whole point of social media to me is really to, to get out there and use your personality and the strengths that you have as a person in those short tidbits that come through on Twitter. So you have a certain amount of, of space, not 140 characters, because... <laughs> In all reality, you want to have a lot less in your tweets that can be retweeted. So in internet marketing speak, what you're saying is I'm going to get more click-throughs if I add my commentary. But one of the things I noticed, which is interesting about what you're saying, is that I would like tweet articles and people assume that I agree with the point of view of the articles. And so they'll start like arguing with me about the articles. And I'm always like, I was just, re- I was just RT in it. Just a little bit of RT. So you're basically saying I have the wrong approach there. 
There's, I mean, it depends on what you're looking for, right? The, a lot of Twitter feeds do have the RTs are not endorsements in their profile. Those are usually journalists where for, you're, you're penalized from the public and also by your employer if you're really thought to be speaking out on the opinions of everything you're putting on, on your Twitter feed. I think... Worse for the entrepreneur. That's precisely what you want to <laughs> do. That's right. It's Generate as much as controversy as possible. I think you, you do absolutely need to make sure that you, you add some sort of commentary that, that indicates which way you're sliding. For you, just to tweet the title... It's usually not even the author of the piece who comes up with the title. It's, sure. it's just a very neutral way of throwing something, vomiting it out on the internet. You have this ability to, in a short bit of text, tell people a little bit of what you think. You know, even if you use the title, but then at the end of after your Bitly link, you you say in brackets, you know, great piece or I disagree completely. Generate some sort of engagement by doing that. It's much more than merely putting out the title of the piece. All right. So we're going to talk tactical about Twitter and Facebook. We'll leave the the YouTubes and all the other fun stuff for another time. Let's talk a little bit about your background. LegalNomads.com. It's a travel food blog, 43,000 unique visitors a month. Um, Tell us a little bit about the history of the blog. Sure. I started uh, the site up in 2008 when I quit my job as a lawyer. Um, I thought I'd be gone for one year and I wanted to start up a blog just so my family and my friends could figure out where I was going. Uh, a lot of my colleagues told me that I was ruining my life by quitting my job sure. after several years of lawyering it up in New York City. And I basically thought, you know, I, I want to share things. I, in prior trips, I'd sent down emails uh, with photos and stuff like that. So this was a good way to just put it all out there and people who felt like reading could. And now you make your full-time living from the leads that you generate from the site. That's yeah. right. The site itself is not monetized uh, in the sense that I've got no advertising, no sponsorship. I don't take any uh, text link buys or anything like that or guest, fake guest posts, guest posts on the sure. site. Um, what it has done is given me a platform that I've been able to leverage to get the freelance work and the consulting work and uh, write the book that I wrote last year. All these things have come out of the site and I think also come out of uh, the authenticity and branding that I've tried to focus on within my social media feeds. So you you have uh, 277 posts. So in James and I's talk, we talked about having 150 posts in a year. Mm-hmm. So you have 277 spread over the course of quite a few more years, yeah? Right. So I, I tend to focus on long form. I'm, I am a contributing editor at Long Reads, and part of that came out of the fact that I was really passionate about long form writing, not just the, my own posts, which are often... 2,000, 3,000 words, but also sharing on Twitter uh, posts from people who write in a way that I really admire. Sure. So, yes, I, I definitely don't follow the general rules that a lot of people espouse about shorter posts with a few photos. You know, my photo essays are sometimes 40 photos long. Sure. Um, but I'd rather focus on building up the credibility that whatever I put online is something that I absolutely believe in. Speaking of credibility... Almost 20,000 Twitter followers that are driving 10,000 unique visitors a month. Last month, if we looked at your Bitly account, you have over 10,000 Facebook fans, and you've got a bunch of Instagram people that are going crazy for you no matter (laughs) what you put on there. I think they just like my soup photos, to be honest. So I want to, you know, a lot of our readers, they're thinking of starting social media accounts, not necessarily for themselves, but for their brands. Right. And they're screwing it up. So let's talk about how they might take the Jody Ettenberg approach to the travelplastic.orgs of the world. First, you want to go through some Twitter basics right after we talk about your general umbrella philosophy of social media, because I know you're doing a lot of speaking and stuff like that on these topics. So Sure. I mean, I think the philosophy comes down to that desire to build a brand that 
is not just authentic in the way people perceive it, but also that people know that when you throw a link up somewhere, be it on Facebook, be it on Twitter, or even link through from your site, that they understand, your readers understand, your audience understands that you mean it. You're endorsing it for a reason. I mean, yes. setting aside the legitimacy of non-endorsed links, I'm purely talking about reader perception, and that's what matters in the end if you want to leverage that community for something. so It's integrity, right? Right. It's like why I won't tweet like people email me all the time asking me to tweet stuff and I just think it misses the point. I'm, I don't know. I'm to the point now where I'm just baffled by it. I find it interesting too to see when I do put up a link on Twitter and people will retweet it immediately. So there's two reasons for that. Either they've seen the article elsewhere and they really believe in it yeah. so they're now retweeting people who tweet about it or usually they they actually didn't read um, whatever article I just put up and, and that's unfortunate because it really does speak to your brand, right? You're tying all these things with string to whatever brand you're building and then you're dragging them along with you. Twitter is a networking platform. So if if you're just retweeting crap and you're putting up your brand Twitter account to pass along, quote, interesting articles, nobody cares. So well, that's just not going to work. If your readers are seeing that you're consistently retweeting the same stuff as it comes out, it's pretty easy to trace that back and it's pretty easy to find out that that's exactly what you're doing. If you're cross-posting everywhere, your readers don't feel like they really matter to you, right? You're, you're, they're not even worth the three seconds it would take for you to cut and paste that link in your Facebook page. Um, there's also the issue of in, on Twitter itself, you know, you have this limited period of time. So Facebook, you know, it's kind of percolating around there for a while. Twitter, you have one shot at putting out a link and, and anchoring that link in a compelling short soundbite that would get people to think it's interesting. All right. So we got a lot of interesting little tactical points that have been useful to me. But just to think about this from a brand's perspective, how does a brand decide whether this stuff counts or not? I think it's, you know it's I mean? an like interesting question. Like travel plastic, question. they're going to sure, go sure. in there. Why are they going to take the time to, to make it interesting? Why don't they just puke this stuff out via um, freaking Hootsuite or something and call it a day? You know? Uh, Owly links. Um, I think <laughs> I think that in any brand, generally speaking, you're you're aiming for a long tail build, right? You're not looking to just immediately have people shouting about you tomorrow that'll taper off. You want people to genuinely believe in the things you put on. One by one. One by one. You're saying no less than 17 to 20 characters left. I mess this one up all the time. I'm always trying to squeeze stuff in. What's the thinking here? In terms of Twitter, when I say no less than 20 characters left is so that people can retweet and add their own anchor text. The new version of retweeting, the auto retweet, not uh, where you click new retweet, you can't edit the anchor text. You just do it using Twitter's own technology. That's just not as compelling in terms of people clicking through. I almost never click through those kinds of retweets and, you know, and asking around, it seems similar. Everyone wants to add their own two cents to a link. And so leaving that space at the end of your Twitter feed allows you to have people retweet it using the kind of old retweet way um, or just take the post. And when I say, as I said to you, to use via at the end of your link as opposed to RT at the beginning, it's the same idea that you you can take the link itself that you saw from someone else. If I tweeted about um, a credit card that I liked, for example, and you decided it was worth retweeting, instead of copying my anchor text, you could add... Anchor text, what do you mean by that specifically? The sentence that goes with that link. Okay. It, let's say I said, you know, awesome article about international credit cards for travel. Got it. You could change that to something else, like take a quote from the post, for example. Right. Add the same bit.ly link or add your own, and then at the end write via legal nomads. So 
the that's better strategy in general you're finding than just rt i do find that and i think it's because in terms of click throughs in terms of click throughs it does appear more as a conversation uh, and not a broadcast of someone else's conversation you're saying no more hashtags I'm not saying no more hashtags. I'm saying to... You're on a mission globally. (laughs) Down with hashtags. Yeah. No, I'm not saying that. I'm saying to use them judiciously. So as I said at the beginning of the podcast, it's great to have a hashtag to gather people together. Yeah, buddy. Sure. What do you think about that one? It's beautiful. What about baller? I know you love that word. (laughs) (laughs) I think that hashtags can serve their purpose very, very well. When I see colleagues using hashtags, I think it's spammy. So the classic one that you point out is I've seen even people with like thousands of Twitter followers do this thing where they tweet with the ampersand at the beginning of their tweet. Yeah, it's funny. Someone, I don't remember who it was. I read an interview with a very prominent writer, uh, food writer, and she was saying, oh, I hate when people have stopped taking conversations. I always take conversations off my Twitter feed and onto DM because it's obnoxious that everyone sees it. But I, they don't see it. They on, Only people who will see those conversations are the people who are following both of the people talking to each other. Right. So if you start your tweet with an at sign and someone's username, only the people following both those people will see that in their stream. It will not show up in everyone else's stream. You see that's a lot in journalists as well, right? Because often they'll tweet a link and they'll get, like you said, you tweet something, people come at you asking, why are you endorsing this or whatever else? If, sure. it, if, a, if a journalist tweets something of their own piece or someone else's that they are actually endorsing or whatever it is, people will often reply back. And then when it starts to get ugly, people tend to put the period before the at sign because they want the full dialogue to be sure. shown, to show the full picture. and. It's it's a tactic you can use. I use it sometimes when the most natural way of uh, anchoring the link I want to use is to start with the author. So if, if I had said, you know, period, Tropical MBA thinks that plastic is awesome. It's pretty easy for me to figure out why 20,000 people want to follow you on Twitter. You're interesting. you got a cool story. Why are 20,000 people going to want to follow Travel Plastic on Twitter? How do you get all these people to follow you? What's the game plan for, for brands? To be honest, I mean, I, I joined Twitter in 2009. It's not like overnight I purchased 20,000 followers and decided that that was my sure. new branding. These are people, you know, I've never bought followers. They, they come organically. Often when influencers retweet me is, is when I, I get a lot more. And then as well, it comes from sort of the collateral damage from press in a good way. In terms of the ability to, to drive people to your feed, I think using something like followerwonk.com. That's a website that allows you to find influencers in the fields that you're looking for. And you can start engaging with them as well. You know, not in in an annoying way. As with posting links, you really need to make sure that when you talk to people, you have value to add. But as you've said, when you tweet a link and someone responds to you, if they say something to you that that adds value that, you know, you want to respond to, you will. They may, you may then check out their profile that find that they're a compelling person to follow looking at their stream. I hear this all, all the time from our community is I'm going to put a picture of my logo on this thing and I'm going to tweet out interesting industry links. That's, that's sort of a strategy that might work for Nike on a good day, but it's not going to work for a brand that's trying to gain a following. Right. You need to delineate between brands that are already giant and have this huge social media and general consumer clout behind them to startups or smaller brands. It's really important to be an expert in your field, but you can also be an expert in your field while showing people that you are not a cardboard. So you could be Jody Ettenberg at Travel Plastic and creating these persona 
mm-hmm. or accentuating parts of your persona that would be interesting and unique for the brand that are legitimate and authentic to you. But maybe let's say it could be cool if you are a high-end luxury traveler. Like let's say you were just crazy about luxury hotels and it was constantly about, you know, the news that was coming out about luxury hotels and your like hardcore opinions about those things. That's something that people might want to follow. It is, but I think people also need to make up their mind about what kind of brand they want to build. You know, if you look at a company like Prismatic, for example, they're more and more in the press. They're building an alternative to Google Reader. They have a great iPhone app. The founder, Bradford Cross, he has his own Twitter feed separate from the feed because as the company has grown, they've hired a community manager. And if you're thinking about scaling on a widespread scale, you know, you're going to need to separate out you as the founder um, from the actual brand. But that's not to say that the brand is limited. That would be easy to do, though, once sure. you get momentum. Sure, absolutely. So that's what I want to like. That, that's an important distinction. Like at, at bootstrap scale, it's got to be you. Well, there's nothing that's going to set you apart from an idea is an idea, but there has to be some personality behind it. Agreed. I just want to encourage people to, if we're talking about everything that you want online that you're putting out matters, then that should also include who you follow. That just this whole idea, and it seems to be you know fading somewhat, which is lovely, but the idea of you have to follow everyone who follows you and follow them back. Um, th- you can build a great feed and find really great information using tools that we can talk about later or not um, about curating interesting information. Absolutely. But the only way to do that is to build a follow stream of people that you genuinely want to hear from. And I use lists a lot to add people, like friends of mine. I really love hearing what they have to say, but their their feeds are not in the science tech um, side that I want to learn about through Twitter. So they're on a separate list. So using Twitter lists is one of the best ways to kind of separate out the people that you absolutely want in your homepage all the time, your home feed and then the people who you would tangentially think of adding separately. You can do it by location, you can do it by interest. It's a really good tool and a simple one that, that Twitter's created for you. Let's talk about the content curation stuff, and I think we should even push off the Facebook stuff for another time. Twitter, I think for businesses, Twitter's the jam, right? So with the Facebook thing, what's interesting that you said to me was basically knocking out these fan pages and putting everybody into subscription to you as a person. Not, again, not everyone. I do think it's a great idea for you. For me. You were complaining about your fan page. Let's talk about me. Let's be honest. We love talking about you. Uh, You were complaining about your fan page and how you didn't understand if it was working for you or not because it just seems Yeah, I was running around with a little palm tree logo talking to people. It's a great logo. It was weird. It was weird. It's like, hey, palm tree says, thanks, cheers, Dan. So (laughs) Facebook originally decided for journalists that they would enable something called Facebook Subscribe, which would allow journalists to have public subscribers be a part of their feed, but not actually uh, see everything. So you, as Dan Andrews, can decide that you want all your photos to be private, except one album called, you know, photo. What are the downsides of this relative to these fan pages? It depends on privacy issues. Some people don't want them to have access to their real, you know, their real names or, or, or their friends that they do have. You know, it depends on how limited that Facebook will allow you to be with your profiles. And they're, they're changing everything up. You know, their new newsfeed will come out soon and there'll be privacy changes. That's the problem with these guys. They, they change a lot. I do, I do think that a Facebook subscribe for people who are looking to build a personality business and not a multi-user brand are a great thing. Um, again, if you, 
I think it's great to get the Facebook fan page for the brand that you're building. Anyhow, you want that for yourself. You know, man, we had t- like a thousand people following our podcast brand. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it felt so useless to me. I don't know. I, I'm just not a believer in Facebook. We're getting so much more engagement and traffic via Twitter mm-hmm. and so much more engagement and traffic via Dan Andrews, myself, as opposed to the podcast logo saying some shit on Facebook, which is obvious, I guess, in retrospect, but I just feel gypped by Facebook because I drove traffic to their site. Right. I got uh, people that cared about my advice to click like. Right. And then it didn't even syndicate the messages to these people. Right. Facebook changes their edge rank continuously and, and brands that are not paying to promote their posts are the ones that are not being shown as much. It goes back to your goals. If you want it to be a place, one-stop shop to share everything you want and focus on something like Twitter or focus on a different medium, then that's great. So let's talk about content curation because sure. uh, this is a big issue. All right. So if, if the idea is, is you can drive potentially thousands of new leads to your business every month, you've got to be putting out interesting stuff. I mean, right. part, of the, part of the, I think the reason that we're so attracted to Twitter is that we really do like reading a lot of interesting things and Twitter is the best place in the world. I love, jo- uh, Mitch Joel called it uh, the best place for link discovery. What do you use for right. link discovery? Twitter. Mm-hmm, definitely. Like, Twitter's you know, an RSS to, feed of interestingness, definitely. That's it. I used to wake up in the morning and go to yahoo.com mm-hmm. and look at what a bunch of freaking second-rate 27-year-old snot-nosed college graduates that have mediocre careers are telling me to read every morning. And now I'm following people like you who have real passion and interest and people like Donald Trump, who's very funny and has a lot of cool tweets. And Kanye West, he's funny too. I think that Twitter is exactly what you said. It's, it's like it cuts to the noise. The internet is a huge place. It's full of a lot of shit. And you need the voices that you trust to find the interesting content that you want to read. That How do you do this? You. Tell, tell me some... Tell me some uh, so, as I said earlier, you, you have the ability to follow whoever you want. That's you building your own personalized RSS feed. So I change up who I follow depending on where I am. I'm in Vietnam now, so I do follow more people that are tweeting about politics and Southeast Asia, the geopolitics of this region. Uh, When I go back to North America, I may remove them or put them on a list instead. So following the people you care about, using Follower Wonk uh, or FindInfluence.com, both of those allow you to see influencers and then obviously make sure they're people that you enjoy their voices. So for science, I love Ed Young. He used to write for Discovery. Now he's at National Geographic and uh, he tweets about science in a way that's compelling and interesting and really obnoxious and it's fabulous. Uh, brain picker as well for just general interesting artistic and cultural information um, and the ability to do so all the that. Is you basically want to reach out to these content sort of dumps the ones that you love the most for me that might be like Hacker News and Arts right. and Letters Daily right, right, right. and then track vis-a-vis bit.ly what's working Sure, but also you can use services like Prismatic or News.me that you hook your Twitter feed up and you allow them to connect so that it gives you the top to- talked about stories in your network. So, for example... What about Paperly? I don't <laughs> love those services. You can use it to curate your interesting information. Fine, it's a great way to find stuff. Just all of those, Storify... But don't retweet your Instagrams, you're saying. No, don't say the, the, the paperly of the day has come out featuring these seven people. Right. Don't do that. Awful. But instead, use it to find the interesting information, which it gives to you, and then then pick out from that list the stuff that you find interesting. Why don't you use Buffer? Buffer's Just because you haven't got around to it yet. Yeah, yeah, no, Buffer's a great tool. It's not that I haven't got... I, I'm fine for now with uh, using TweetDeck to schedule as many days in advance that I want. Got it. Part of the scheduling for me is that a lot of the readers I've got are in North America, and I'm asleep because yeah. I'm in Asia. So uh, 
when I think an article would resonate best with people on that are living in the East Coast or in North America or Europe, I schedule accordingly. Um, Buffer is great. Definitely. Brands out there, you got to get on some Buffer. I've been using it. I'm a premium user. It's a great business. Uh, I thought Buffer was lame when I first saw it, and now that I'm using it, I realize how effective it can be for community engagement. Jody, thanks so much. Just from having a few uh, coconuts and coffees, I'm confident that just by making some small tweaks in my social media presence that my lead generation has just gone. What I really mean is that people who want to find a person like me, a person that has a message like travel the world from your laptop kind of thing, grow a scalable business, they're finding me better now because some of the tweaks that I've made. So why aren't you doing social media consulting? I am. I do do social media consulting. All right. I don't have it up on my site, but I have in a lot of the panel talks I've given about social media, people have approached me after, and it's it's been growing since then. Rock on. So if you've got something going on, have uh, Ms. Edinburgh take a look at it. LegalNomads.com. Thanks for joining us, Jody. Thank you for having me. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening. Don't be shy. We've got a mailing list. Check it out at TropicalMBA.com. Get yourself signed up, and we'll keep you up to date on everything we do, plus give you those 50 free podcast episodes. If you want to say, hey, check me out on Twitter at Tropical MBA. We'll see you soon.